Hey, hey, everybody. How's it going? Hope you're having a great one. Um, this is actually going to be a solo show where I'm going to be talking about my fretboard woes because there have been many. There have been many fretboard woes, which is kind of interesting because one, I think, one of the things I pride myself most on now is my understanding, visualization, flu- fluency around the fretboard. And it's kind of one of the things that I'm known for as well in terms of you know, just educational stuff, content for, for bass students is my approach to the fretboard and that I've systematized it and I've got various ways of teaching it. But if you look back at, well, stuff that I've probably, I've never really talked about this stuff, right? Because, well, it's never came up, I guess, which is why this might be a really interesting episode, um, is that it, the reason that I'm actually really fluid and fluent on the fretboard is is because of the hot coals I had to walk over when I was younger, because I found it incredible. I would say harder than the average human to to get my fretboard down. So and I'm consistently interested in in the the reality of what you see people you know like when you see somebody burning around on YouTube, you know, they're flying around the fretboard, um, whether like technique or uh, fluency in terms of understanding where they are on the fretboard. I'm, I'm constantly interested about like the backstory. What gave them the ability to do that? Did they find it hard? Was it natural for them? Because, you know, and the reason why I'm interested in it, because I found it so hard and I actually found it hard. I found, I think I found everything hard. <laughs> Honestly, I think there's not many things that I think that, that I found really natural, but there are definitely certain things that jumped out at me of being overly uh, complex or just, yeah, like a mystery to me. And I was sat in, and it wasn't my imagination. It is I was, you know, at, and I'll tell you a story in this podcast about where I was sat in a small group of guitar players, actually, uh, with the guitar teacher I was studying with. Uh, she used to do Saturday uh, Saturday workshops. You know, we'd go down there, all those kids and stuff. I was maybe like 14, maybe 15. She'd go down around the room, ask us questions. And all of these kids were just getting it. They found it so easy and it was just so complex. And I'll tell you more about it, you know, in the in this episode as we go through it. But I just found it so hard and impossible. So a lot of where I am right now I think was in terms of being a player was born out of pain was born out of not finding things natural and I think it's I think people should talk about this more uh, because I think that who we see and what they can do on the interwebs is is not the backstory and often the backstory is finding things hard finding things more difficult than other people um, one that's jumping to mind right now is Michael League you know if you've been following along the content that we're you know we put out on SBL. We released a video not so long ago with Michael League, which is great, but he doesn't talk about it in that one. It's actually a video we did with Mike um, maybe four years ago, three, four years ago. And he he was talking about how he was the worst. And by the way, if you don't know who Michael League is, he's like, you know, bass icon, uh, band leader and bass player for Snarky Puppy, among others. Um, and a great artist in his own right. And Michael was talking about how he, he sucked more than anybody in his entire year um, when he went to Texas State Music College or Music, well, I can't remember what they call it. Anyway, the Texas State um, 
university to study music, he said he sucked more than he was like the bottom of the class. And that for me was incredibly interesting. I was like, huh, because it made me reflect on myself and how I struggled as well. Another one, Gary Willis jumps to mind. He also weirdly went to Texas State, same place that uh, Michael went to. And, and I think he went as a guitar player. I'm not going to tell vicious lies, but I know that he found it, he, he certainly wasn't the, uh, the class star or anything like that. If my memory serves me correctly, he actually really struggled when he got to university. Um, another one, Tony Gray, if you've heard of the great bass player, Tony Gray. Um, I had a fantastic, really inspiring conversation with him last year. Um, and he was, he told me, he was, he, some of you might have heard that interview. He told me about when he went to Berkeley for the first time and he, he, he essentially got in because his dad was a famous guitar player. Um, but when he arrived, he couldn't play. He, he couldn't play. He could play a few tunes, but ultimately couldn't play bass. And and there was all of these expectations. Everybody thought, oh, it's Tony Gray. And you know, he's got this famous uh, uncle guitar player. Um, they had all of these expectations. And, and he just found it really, really painful, the experience. Another one, Steve Jenkins. Um, phenomenal bass player. Had a really uh, grimy time when he went... Grimy? <laughs> well, we'll use that for now. But had a really tough time when he first went to, to Berkeley... Um, and again, so there's all of these individuals out there who are all phenomenal now, right? We all look at them and we're like, oh, they're base gods, they're like, oh, they were struck with the lightning rod of talent. And I actually call bullshit. And I think that there's so many people out there that really, really struggled. Um, and through the struggle, maybe, maybe, in my case, definitely, when it comes to fretboard, uh, fluency uh, because of the struggle actually became the musician I am today so I'm just going to be jumping into that um, and my stories about around the fretboard the reason I'm doing it by the way is we've got a uh, we've got a course out right now um, called the fretboard accelerator it is uh, one of the I think the one of the one of the greatest educational programs I've ever put together um, and it's out for a, I think I'm actually not going to, I'm not going to say a time it's, it's open once a year. We open it once a year for enrollment and, and right now is the time. And, and so the next time we open it, like depending on when you listen to this, it might be closing enrollment like today or this week, you know, it, we only open it for a few, like a couple of weeks for enrollment every single year. And that is that time. And just a heads up, that next time we open it for enrollment, it will be, uh, it, the price will be going up. So it'll be this time next year, but the price is going to be going up. So I just wanted to give everybody a heads up way ahead of time, 12 months ahead of time, in fact, because I don't want anybody getting really peeved and for saying, hey, I was going to enroll that, you know, the next time around the price has gone up. So just a, just a heads up that it's going up. Anyway, um, if you, oh, by the way, if you do want to go check it out, let me, I did forget the URL, but I've got it here somewhere. Um, I'll just grab it for you, just so you don't have to go searching for it on the on the on the interwebs. Um, that'd be way easier. And searching through my messages here. 
Oh, just go to scottsfretboardcourse.com. Scottsfretboardcourse.com. And you'll, uh, you'll be able to find it there. Anyway, jumping into this, okay, talking about my, uh, my, my fretboard woes. And basically, the backstory of this is that um, it's... Sorry, somebody's calling me. <laughs> it's never a good when somebody's calling you in the middle of a podcast. Anyway, my, my fretboard woes, right, is that, well, as I was saying, I always found the fretboard to be a, a mahoosive pain in the backside. And... um. And it took me, honestly, like I began playing guitar when I was 13. So I played guitar when I was 13. It took me, it's it's so painful to even say this out loud. I think it took me until I was around, I don't know, 20? 21 until I began to figure out how to unlock the fret. But it sounds crazy, doesn't it? You know, almost a decade of pain. Okay, but, you know, just to put it out there, when you first start playing an instrument, you're not really, you haven't been struck with the, you know, struck down with these issues yet. So there was definitely a, an element of that. I hadn't realized, you know, it was going to be a thing, but it did absolutely develop into a thing. Um, and I also not only really struggled with the fretboard, I had struggled to learn the notes on the fretboard as well. Like that was a huge, huge thing for me. Trying to like memorize the, the notes on the fretboard was, it just seemed impossible. So, and that was the, the first time I spoke about this just a second ago, just a minute ago. The first time I realized that I had issues with the fretboard is when I was, I think, at about 14 or 15, I was studying guitar at the time. I was going to a guitar teacher once a week. And she used to run... She was awesome, by the way. <laughs> I miss her. I think she moved to South America or something like that. Anyway, um, back in the day, I used to go every every weekend. She used to run these sort of like small classes and we'd all go along. And there'd be a group of anything from about... 10 to 20 guitar players all sat in this little room, right? With our classical, it was classical guitar I was learning. And, uh, and she'd been telling us to learn the notes, right? Learn your notes. And she'd given us a sheet with all of the notes on. She might as well have given me a freaking crossword, which I'm also terrible at. Anyway, she'd, give us, she'd given us this, like, a sheet with all of the notes on, uh, of the neck. And we were supposed to memorize them. Then we got in this group class and she used to do this every week. We'd sit there in the group class. I used to dread it. And she'd be like, okay, uh, time to check the notes. And then she'd go around the room. She'd be sat with a guitar and she'd, and she'd just say, Ben, third fret, A string. And Ben would need to say, or should have said, C. And then she'd say, okay, uh, Amelia, uh, fifth fret B string and Amelia would say E okay that was the vibe <sighs> she'd go around the room and every time she got to me <laughs> every single time it would just be like chewing on glass she'd be like Scott second fret E string and I look down at my E string about okay, e. It was like this weird mental block that I can't really explain, but it was so real 
Obviously, it's F-sharp now. I know it's F-sharp now, but back then, I just couldn't get it. I just couldn't get it. And this this kind of, like, struggle with the fretboard, I think it was that that kind of, like, set me on this, you know, whatever it was, seven, eight years of just walking over hot coals when it came to the fretboard. Because I, I, f- I found it so embarrassing to, to be publicly shamed right and i know she was doing a good thing but to me it felt like the worst thing in the world right and on top of that on top of that i was also told not to use patterns okay don't use patterns i kept on it was hammered into me don't use patterns just learn the notes don't use patterns learn the notes so and that was really it was tough for me because i have an art background um well loosely right in school i was like really artistic right i found that kind of stuff quite easy um and and so so like geometry i always rocked in geometry i looked at you know uh, looked at shapes and i can remember shapes really easily um and, and just to put it out there there's a lot of people like this right you might be listening right now and thinking oh i actually use shapes on the fretboard a lot and if you do use shapes on the fretboard i actually encourage that um, because I think it's a, a real, I think that, let me just put it out there. There are people that use notes, just use notes. They don't really think patterns, which blows my mind. Okay. There are people that use patterns, just patterns. And what we, I think is the, um, well, I think that there are different, different types of people, different types of approaches, and it depends on the brain you were born with. You know, there is no way I am going to be able to think just notes as I'm playing, ever. It just, my brain doesn't work like that. Um, so what really um, I like to, if, if you are one of them players that do, do, you know, kind of gravitate towards geometric shapes and patterns on the fingerboard, and, and you naturally find yourself using them, even if in a very simplistic way, little boxes and stuff like that, I would highly recommend leaning into it, learning you know, learning the geometry of the fretboard, using shapes, but in a more sophisticated way. So, um, and also using notes to back that up, because now I do know the notes, but I believe that in, in a weird way, I think that the, the shapes helped me learn the notes. Um, so when I was told just to learn the notes by looking at this fretboard diagram, like this, this is fretboard covered in notes, I had no, no chance. But when I was, well, when I found my own way around it and started using geometric shapes to learn the notes and learn the fretboard, um, that's when the penny started to drop, you know, when everything started to click together. So if you do already use even the simplest of shapes, like little boxes on on the fretboard, I really highly recommend that you might be, just like me, somebody that gravitates towards that style of learning, that style of visualization on the fretboard, and if you do, if that is you, then you can just expand on something that you already do naturally. Say that one more time, right? And, and just put it out, I'm a real big believer of, instead of trying to get better at our weaknesses, I actually think that we should just lean into our strengths. Okay? Tell my kids this all the time. There's stuff that, that they're not natural at, right? Now, there is a there is a, a stance to be taken that says, hey, you know, you need to be allowed, you need to, you know, do the stuff that you crap at. And I'm like, eh, I'm not sure, sure that I'm not so sure that that's the, the best approach. I think that people that really excel in many ways are the people that don't do that. 
that instead they really lean into their strengths. So that's what I'm inviting you to do today. If you find that you naturally uh, lean towards using geometric shapes on the fingerboard, that you can expand on that. And you will be leaning into something. You'll be, you know, learning how to do something you're already doing naturally anyway. That's way better than, you know, trying to do something that you don't find very natural. Okay. So that's what I, I started to do. And simply put, I had huge fretboard anxiety. Just in case, you know, just in case you uh, you haven't figured it out yet. I had huge fretboard anxiety. And this, last, as, as I said, lasted a long time. And there was a couple of different things that happened that, that I guess made me start thinking that there could be a, a different reality for me. Number one is that I bought a Gary Willis book. Um, and I'm trying to remember the name of the book. Ah, oh, it was by Hal Leonard. Anyway, I bought this Gary Willis book. And just to put it out there, uh, it was way too advanced for me, way too advanced. Um, but <laughs> I persevered and I did, I never, I never nailed, nailed what was in there. But the ethos, the sort of like the thesis of the book was that geometric patterns um, can be used as a way to learn the entire fretboard in in this in a in a in a, in a in an amazing way, in a way that's sort of like where there's no dusty end of the fretboard. And just to put it out there, this like not knowing the fretboard crushes so many bass players. It's like one of the 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 big things that I wish so many players would just spend the time to actually do, like get it nailed down because it is, I am proof, trust me, it is available to everybody if they want it to be able to understand where all of the notes are and be able to go all around the fretboard and play around all of the chords that people throw at you to be able to do that all over the fingerboard is available to everybody. It's just, you've got to find the right approach for you. Okay. So what that Gary Willis book did for me is, although it was way too advanced and I didn't learn much from it because it was too advanced. Again, the thesis of the book was, Hey, and he writes this. He's like, I use ge ge um, geometry. Yeah, I use geometry to learn the fingerboard. Shapes, patterns. And I was like, no way. And I had this, because it, it was the first time somebody had said, hey, you know, you don't need to think notes all the times. So you can actually think patterns. And I was like, no shit. Okay, so that was the first unlock was the the proof that somebody out there, a great player, um, was was using patterns. And I, and I thought, oh, maybe maybe they they were the same as me. Maybe they didn't think notes all the time. And then also, I was going um, I was going out to New York to try and get some lessons out there. Um, now, ultimately, I did go out to New York, but many years later, um, it turned out that this time I couldn't make it happen because I couldn't afford it. It was just too expensive. But I really wanted to go and get lessons from Matt Garrison. I sent him an email. Um, and in the email, you know, I was talking about going out and getting a lesson from him and that kind of thing. But in the email, I, did, I, I said, hey, I've just read this book, book from Gary Willis. You know, he's talking about patterns. Something I found really, find really hard is the fretboard, et cetera, et cetera. And, and I said, hey, do you, use, do you use patterns and shapes to, you know, to, to navigate around the fretboard? He messaged me back and he was like, yeah, I use patterns and shapes all of the time, all of the time, in conjunction with notes. Um, but a lot of patterns 
and shapes. And that those two things for me was like the green light that, oh, I can forget what I've been told, that you only have to think notes, that you shouldn't use patterns. Oh, if I could rewind time, okay? The, how many other people were told that? Don't use patterns. What an absolute crock. Anyway, um, that's when that I was sort of like, I got that green light and it really sent me down a path of creating multiple systematic approaches um, of learning the fretboard through geometry, aka patterns, using patterns on the fretboard. Now, like I said, I didn't really get this from it. I got sort of like little uh, clues from what other people had done. Uh, the Gary Willis book was definitely a clue, but it was just way too advanced for me at the time. So I really set out to create my own approaches um, to to learn the fretboard through patterns. And then I and and then just got honestly obsessed with it. Like I just got so obsessed with learning the fretboard. And it's something that I've spoken about my approach to practicing before. I'm very methodical. I spend you know, a certain amount of time on one thing, certain amount of time on the other. And then, you know, I divide up my practice time, making sure that I'm hitting all of the things that I need to hit all of that stuff. Right. And ever like, you know, since that moment, since the green light of like, Oh, you can use geometry to learn the fretboard ever, ever since then I've been using exercises, coming up with new systems to teach myself new different ways, deeper ways of learning the fretboard. Today, still, now I'm still doing it now. I'm still doing it. I'm obsessed with it. And maybe that, you know, goes back to that, that anxiety or not the anxiety, but the sort of like traumatic experience I went through when I was sat in that room and I had to, you know, fail miserably every single week, week after week in front of, you know, 10 or 20 other guitar players. So I really felt that shame and maybe it's the shame or something that's driving me, but it's also... I find it really enjoyable because I love to be a player that has no dusty spots on the fretboard. I want to play the entire instrument. I joke all the time. Can you imagine a piano player that could just play a tiny weeny little bit of the keyboard and can't go, it's ridiculous, isn't it? So let's not be that bass player. Okay, let's not be that bass player. Um, and then, so like just jumping on to a few years ago, later on in my career is when I discovered something called the triadic harmony concept, which I found mind-blowing. And the reason I found this is because I was going down the James Jameson rabbit hole. Okay, I'm a huge James Jameson fan. I'm learning all of his lines. I'm figuring it out. I'm trying to get that vibe down, okay? And I figure out after a while, I'm like, huh, he's using a lot of triads a lot of triads and that is because he comes from a upright bass uh, background he comes from an upright up, upright bass background speak today upright up upright bass background still can't speak um and they use a lot of triads as well a lot of chords just to put it out there what is a triad a triad is a chord Right. If you've ever wondered that, if you've ever heard the word triad or arpeggio, okay, a triad is just a chord in the most basic uh, function. Right. It's just a, the, the most basic chord that you can get is a triad. There's only four different types: a major triad, a minor triad, an augmented triad, and a diminished triad. So there's only four types of of, of triads. Um, and if you are a bass player, this is my my opinion. If you are a bass player and you can't outline 
the chords of a song using simple triads, okay, you are very similar to a guitar player or a piano player who cannot play chords. Like, oh, I know it, it hurts to say it, and the reason I say it is because I want bass players out there to be functioning as fully rounded musicians, bass players, you know, not root thumpers, <laughs> you know. I'm just going to thump, thump along on this root and then throw a fifth in whenever I feel like I need to. I mean, like, it's... There's so much more available. So let's not be a root thumper, okay? Let's play bass like a musician. Let's learn how to outline the chords. And to do that, you need to know how to use triads, okay? Which is, so like if I had a guitar here or a bass here, I'd play a chord. This is how a guitar player plays chords. You know, keys player plays chords. Oh, they play all of the notes at the same time. Well, bass players, we don't play all of the notes at the same time. Generally, we play them in a... We can play a root and then a third, or a root and a fifth, or a root, fifth and a third. We can mix them up. But we're using the notes of the chord, a.k.a. we're still playing the damn chord. We're just playing it in a linear fashion, right? Um, anyway, going back to this Jameson thing, I was going down this Jameson rabbit hole, figured out, oh, he's using a lot of triads. And then I was researching this online and I came across this thing called the triadic harmony concept, which is a concept that basically states that anything that you will ever play on the bass, anything you will ever play on the bass, when, it, when you boil it down, can be boiled down to the four triads. A major triad, a minor triad, an augmented triad, a diminished triad. Anything you play will always be able to link to one of those things, okay? So I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And at the same time, I was like digging the, the James Jameson thing. So I was like, I'm going to just, I'm going to try and figure out how I can create a system that can help me absorb the triadic harmony concept over the entire fingerboard. So when I look at the fingerboard, I'm not, I'm just seeing a map, basically, a map of triads. If I think a major triad, if I think C major triad, I can instantly see C major over the entire neck. If I think D minor, I look at the fingerboard, I can instantly see D minor over the full fingerboard. Now, that's the goal, right? That's the goal. And so, in essence, it's very simple. The goal is simple, right? And the triadic harmony concept is simple. But what is not simple is learning the thing. It's actually, well, how do I do? How do I look at the fingerboard? How do I look at the fingerboard and then instantly see C major or instantly see D minor or instantly see G got augmented all over the fingerboard like a map, okay? So that's the mission that I set off on for a long time. Maybe six months, maybe even longer, maybe a year. I don't know. I worked on it for a long, long time. And I, at the end of the day, I created, after months and months, maybe six months, maybe even a year, after, 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 after the end of the day, I'd created a systematic way of learning the triadic harmony concept over the entire fingerboard by using geometry, by using geometry and by, and, and not only using geometry, but using it in a way that scales across the fingerboard. So you've only, for every chord type, for every chord type, right? So like C major, you've only got three patterns that you need to learn and you can, map those across the entire fingerboard for all the minors three patterns all of the other the, the augmented the diminished three patterns so we've only got three patterns and then you have to get those patterns and squeeze down the fretboard 
chunk it down into smaller blocks, okay? Because, yeah, okay, now I've learned these three patterns, right? Does that mean I stare at the fingerboard and suddenly I see C major? Or No, of course it doesn't. You need to really reduce down the area that you are learning on the fingerboard into chunks. When you've got a chunk, let's say frets one through five, then you practice in a very systematic way which patterns, let's say you've got three patterns, right? Which patterns fit within that, that five fret block? And then that replicates out, out of the base. All that to say that um, it was a system that I created over, let's say, six months to a year. And, and once I'd done that and ran these exercises, it was that that really, it kind of changed the entire way that I looked at the base. And I didn't think, honestly, that that would ever happen again, ever. I thought I'd done it all. And then I created this triadic harmony concept. And... And it was really, if I could go back in time and to myself, to my earlier self, I would have given myself this triadic harmony concept, this specific approach that I created, this system that I created to learn the triads first as kind of like the foundational element of learning the fingerboard. If I could go back in time, that's what I would do. I'd give it to myself and say, learn this first, even before scales arpeggio any of that learn this first because it's so impactful and it completely changes the way that you look at the instrument okay and that's really like and talking to you know all of the guys on the team we're all bass players okay so i'm talking to the guys on the team showing them what i'm doing and what how i was thinking about it i can't remember who it was that and they said hey you need to create a program out of this you need to create a way of teaching people this system and that's when the fretboard accelerator was born. It was born out of that. Um, so I, I, I did just that. We, we filmed it over months and months. Um, and then we released it. And I think we released it initially three years ago. And I think that we've run three enrollments now. So we've only opened it three times, I think, for enrollment. Um, and again, enrollment is open right now. If you want to go check it out, I did have the uh, that url didn't i if you're just sort of like just show me the course scott just go to scottsfretboardcourse.com you can check it out there but um oh, where was i sorry stuck on my uh oh there we go my computer's going completely bananas um i'm on that do you know when you get to the end of your mat i don't know if you guys are mac users or windows users um, but I'm a Mac user and, uh, and you know, when, when you, when your Mac's on the end, it's like on the edge of the cliff and it's about to fall off and crash. That's where I am right now with my, uh, with my Mac. I'm sort of like, I'm so sad about it. So I've only had it for maybe like three, four years, but I use this thing every day. So it's still, it's still giving me a good shot, you know, a good run. But, uh, yeah, but anyway, what I would say, that's where the Fretboard Accelerator was born out of. Now, if you want to know a bit more, I'll tell you a tiny bit more about the program, okay? So, like, high-level view. Basically, it's six months long. So, to go through the entire, entire thing, it's six months long. But you can do it in your own time. And what we've seen in the past is that some people go through it super fast. You know, they might go through it in three, four months but others might take a year to do it, okay? And it doesn't need to consume you. Or, you know, just to put it out there, you don't need to sort of like practice this stuff 
um, like for hours and hours. You shouldn't be only practicing this stuff, right? You should be, this should be in the mix along with the other stuff that you're practicing. Um, it's actually based on 20 minutes of practice a day, 20 to 30 minutes of practice a day. Uh, but if you only to do like 10 or 15 minutes, hey, no harm, no foul, that's fine, but it might take you eight months or a year to get through it, okay? And it's also created in a way that is completely step-by-step, step, meaning that it's not created in a way where you watch all of the videos at all. Like, that's the opposite. You watch one of the tutorials, it teaches you part of the system, and then you are given very clear instructions. Hey, when you can do X, Y, and Z, then you are ready to move to the next um, lesson, okay? Before you can do X, Y, and Z, then you can't move on. Otherwise, you're cheating yourself, okay? So it really puts it out as clear as possible. And also, it's done in super small bite-sized chunks as well. So it's easy to follow along. Um, you get a lesson every single week with me for the six months. And um, and obviously, you can self-pace it, pace it, as I said. And then, it all in all, it's around 20 hours of content. Um which is like a, with a hard educational focus. So this is not like our YouTube videos. It's not sort of like, it's like full on lessons, right? Full on lessons. Um, so if it's that, if that's what you're looking for, uh, it's definitely worth checking out. You also get lifetime access to it. So yes, if you do it in three, four months, if you're one of those that can just whiz through it like a psychopath, great. Okay, but if not, if you want to take six months, if you want to take a year, if you want to take three years, then all good. You get lifetime access to it, just to put it out there. Every time I pick up the bass, every time I pick up the bass since I developed these exercises that are in the Fretboard Accelerator, I use them every single time. And I mean every single time. It's because they're so useful. They're so useful. I bet you, actually, that you'll watch this stuff and you'll be like, if you've like watched me for a while and haven't been through the fretboard accelerator, when you start going through the fretboard accelerator, you'll be like, oh, that's that stuff that Scott plays all the time. Because I play it on videos all the time. Um, and then also, just to put it out there as well, if you enroll for the fretboard accelerator and you don't like it for whatever reason, it's not rocking your world in every single way, there's a money-back guarantee. It's 30 days money-back guarantee. So you can check it all out you can jump in do the whole thing and if it doesn't rock your world we can send you your money back straight away uh, all you need to do to do that is just send an email to support at scottsbasslessons.com now i'm not going to let you go before i also tell you about the uh, the bonus the bonuses that we've created for this course as well because i wanted to make it a complete no-brainer i wanted to make it so yeah just so there's nothing in your way. Like, it's like, it's almost stupid not to sign up, right? Um, and we did this for another program uh, not, so, not so long ago, and you guys absolutely loved it. So we did the same thing for this. So what we've done is we've created this bonus stack, right? So you get two bonuses when you sign up. Um, and this is seven hours of additional content on top of the Fretboard Accelerator. Seven hours of additional content. Just to put out that, in my opinion... This stuff, the bonuses, are worth signing up to the Fretboard Accelerator for. Do you know what I mean? Like, they really are. So the first bonus is uh, that you get 27 melodic bass etudes. It's the, I can't, what's the word? I've got it down here. Oh, yeah, it's the bass fretboard etude collection. Okay, the bass etude 
fretboard collection. And basically, these etudes, if you don't know what an etude is or an etude, it depends, I always rock back and forth with how I pronounce this. If you don't know what one is, it's a pre-written piece of music that is specifically written with a goal, an end goal in mind, to help you master something. Okay, to help you master something. So what we've done is we've created bass etudes around major um, major triads, minor triads, diminished triads, augmented triads. Okay, and it comes with hours and hours of step by step tutorials as well. So that's the first the uh, the first bonus. Now, if we were to sell that, we'd probably sell out one hundred and twenty five dollars or around that mark. And again, we're throwing it in for free if you sign up to the fretboard accelerator today and the bonus number two is called the ultimate grooves play along collection and this is where we wanted to give you a bunch of different examples of how to use this stuff in context how to really you know use and create these uh use triads to create bass lines and grooves in context of different styles, okay? So not only do we give you sort of like these world-class play-alongs with a you know, pro band playing it, we also give you um, videos that give you examples of how to create bass lines and grooves, your own bass lines and grooves using the triads over the chord sequences that we provide. And again, that's thrown in for free. If we were selling that, we'd probably sell it around 100, 100 bucks. Uh, we're throwing in that completely free as well. So all that said, um, if it sounds like you, you know, if you are a player that does want to, you know, level up your fingerboard knowledge, just to put it out there, in my opinion, it's, it's one of the most important things that, that you should be working on. I'm still working on it every single time I pick up the bass. I run exercises to help me get more fingerboard fluency, more fretboard fluency, um, because, I don't want to be one of those those bass players that's just stuck in one area of the fingerboard. And I also don't want to be a, a root thumper either. You know, like, yeah, you could create a great bass line playing roots, but who said that you need to be chained to roots? You know, you can break out of that and use all of these other notes within the chord to give you all of these other textures, okay? Um, so... Yeah, all that to say, if you want to check it out, just go to scottsfretboardcourse.com. I would love to see you guys on the inside. I'm really, really proud of this course, and it's there's absolutely nothing out there like this that's ever been created before. Um, and after the amount of work that we put in, probably never again because it, it took months to put it together. Um, poor Gav. Like many, can you guys remember Gav? Well, he's Gav still on the SBL team. He used to be the videographer behind the scenes. Um, but now he's doing a lot of editing um, on all of the educational stuff that we do. Not so much YouTube, more educational-focused content. So shout-out to Gav, who's behind the scenes. But poor Gav, it took him six months, I kid you not, six months to edit this program. Just just the video materials. That's not including the bonuses. That's just the core the core um, of the uh, Fretboard Accelerator took six months to edit. So shout-out to Gav. Oh, there was a lot of orange dots. He used to, we used to joke about it all the time because we use, there's a lot of geometry on the screen as you go through the, 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 cor the course and Gav had to draw all of that in manually through the edits. Absolute star. Gav, I love you. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for listening today. I'm really looking forward to uh, hearing back from you guys and also looking forward to seeing you in the program as well. 
Um, again, it's scottsfretboardcourse.com. And if you don't get it this time around, you can enroll next year, but the price is absolutely going to be going up next year. So if you've been thinking about joining, now is the time. Now, with that said, take it easy and I'll see you in the shed.